Before we dive into today's podcast, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, SitePro. SitePro offers a wide range of engaging and practical continuing education courses developed by BCBAs for BCBAs. Visit their website at sitepro.com to see the complete CU library, including all of our podcasts, provided free of cost and on demand. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. I am Kelly Birmingham. I am the host of a 25-year look across the spectrum. This is a retrospective look across my 25, actually now it's 28 years in the field working with children and adults with autism and developmental disabilities. My co-host Jen is not with us today, but instead I have a very intentional and specific guest with us. Um, I'm happy to introduce my good friend, Maria Solis. And Maria, the reason she's here is one, she's been in the field a long time. She is on the board of APBA. She owns her own ABA business and has for a long time. It's the Sasaki Behavioral Group, formerly known as the Riley Behavioral Group. And importantly, she is a co-moderator of the CAST, Council of Autism Service Providers Ethics Committee. Uh, ethics SIG. And we are talking about the topic of ethics on this podcast today. Hi, Maria. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. Well, well, thank you. So this, t- this podcast is labeled got ethics and question mark. And um, we've been asked to, for more ethics podcasts. And I thought you would be the great, a great person to talk to because you're heavily involved in ethics and you helped bring to cast members and other members, the new webinar series, is it called Dear Dawn? Dear Dawn, yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, really. I, I attended it and submitted a question for the first one, inaugural question, and, and um, for that. addressed it well. Thank you. I unfortunately was unable to um, attend the webinar live due to a family situation, um, but I am so excited that so many people attended, and, and thank you for your submission. Um, the The webinar is really intended to address the needs of the community and and spark thoughtful conversation and ethical inquiry. It was really well done. It it was you know people presented their you know kind of everyday common type of ethics question that might not reach the level of submission for a violation with the board, but are still like challenging topics to navigate. And I thought they did a really nice job of, um, you know, taking different perspectives of the people on the webinar and, and walking through the discussions. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to hear that. It's the first of um, a quarterly series. So um, hopefully you and, and everyone will join us again next quarter. Yeah, it's such a need because, you know, there, I mean, there really aren't many outlets to go to to discuss ethics conversations. I mean, you can call, I guess it's called the hotline, but it's really email John Bailey, right? Or you can submit a violation to the board. And with all due respect to the BACB board, um, my personal opinion is they're busy <laughs> and they have a lot on their plate. And having recently tried to submit a potential violation, they were just like, it's not serious enough for the level of our engagement. And I could appreciate that. Certainly. Um, and the, our goal is, you know, um, as you saw on on the webinar, is mm-hmm. it's not to shame, it's to educate. It's yes. to, um, to to prompt discussion and, and collaboration and really looking at the context in which situations occur. Um, you know, I, for every question, 
sort of answer. There are 20 more. And, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot in the ethics SIG is that ethics isn't black and white. There are, I call it 50,000 shades of gray. <laughs> and it's, you know, very little, very few things are absolutely right or absolutely wrong if you look at the isolated behavior. It's the context in which they occur that determines was this an ethical manner in which to behave. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's all about context and 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 culture and um, also I think how how we respond. You know, it's um, my co-moderator Crystal. You know, we talk about um, is something a violation or is it on its way to being a violation? In other words, is it something that no, it, it can't be allowed to continue, but you know, is it a need for education? And oh, I I, I wasn't aware. I was doing this or I wasn't aware that um, of the broader context, how can I take steps to address this in a respectful, ethical way? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. I'm going to go back through the history of the ethics, but I think if I'm thinking about my 28 year career, the most painful aspects of it have been these sort of like gray area ethics situations. Um, and I can go back like over years of situations where some were very black and white, you know, like breaking laws and some that were like, just like you described. And so it's, it's, it takes a, it takes a strong person to reflect on their own behavior. And I've had to do it several times when I looked back and thought, oh, I did make that error and I didn't know I made it and try to go back and correct it or not correct it, but be thoughtful about it or like it's hard to do it is I I think one of my strengths as as a clinician and um, as a business owner is I I I take constructive feedback really well and I you know I work really hard to take it everything and think about how I can use that information to better what I'm doing rather than get defensive. Um, you know, compliments are great, but that's not how we grow. And, you know, I, so in addition to my full-time job, I'm also a PhD student. I have an obvious commitment to ongoing education and continuous learning. Um, <laughs> asked, what are you going to do with your PhD? I said, add the extra letters after my name. Um, I, you know, it really was just for my enrichment. Um, and so, yeah, I'm kind of a geek that way. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that process of, of reflection and really looking at my behaviors, what, you know, what did I do that resulted in this outcome? Um, whether or not that was my intention, this is the, this is the situation we're dealing with. And is that what I intended? Is that what I wanted? Does this feel okay to me now? And if not, you know, one, how can I take accountability for what I've already said or done? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have had many foot in the mouth moments and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying very hard to filter and, and uh, not drop any um, F <laughs> anyone who knows me. Yes, uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, it, you know, just really reflecting on um, if I'm not okay with the situation, if I am uncomfortable with something about, you know, how my behaviors contributed to this outcome, how can I be more intentional? How can I approach situations and just be more aware of, of potential impact that I have, um, you know, and it's, I try not to make the same mistakes twice um, and just 
I try really hard to ask for feedback, even especially actually, especially when it's not feedback that I necessarily want to hear. Yeah. Um, but in a way, I think that's what helps me grow. Yeah. You know, some of it's maturity. When I was younger, I, I don't think that I could be in the place I am now. And so I'm just for our listeners, I'm going to go back a little bit. So I've been a board certified behavior analyst since 2003. Um, I'm the 1,368th <laughs> and I, I, I was in the East coast. I was in Boston. It was all, you've heard me do this talk a little bit. It was all white men in the field. There were not many women in the field. Um, particularly at that time I was working with some pretty severe behaviors. Um, and there just weren't a lot of women. There were a, a couple of us. And then, the, you know, the field kind of picked up some traction, but there was no code of ethics. Um, and then, you know, in 2001, there was risk guidelines for responsible conduct. Um, and there were a few of them. And it was basically around like fraudulent kind of billing. And it was around like client respect. But there weren't like a lot of peer-to-peer kind of um, ways to conduct themselves. And I can vividly remember watching all the older white men on a panel at ABAI in like 2005 talking about uh, 2004 how they had to update the guidelines and they'd update them but they weren't enough and looking at all the old white men on the panel and know all of them that were doing all kinds of unethical things mostly around relationships in the field right like stealing people's content having affairs with students like I just remember sitting there going wait what <laughs> this is <laughs> this is what we're calling our ethical guidelines <laughs> I actually, I remember, so I, I started in the field in 2003. I just actually had my 20 year anniversary. Um, and I started as a BT. I, you know, and when I started, um, no one really knew what the BCBA credential was. It was right. And the first time I heard of it, I think was 2005 or 2006. And, you know, I, it, it was one of those, oh, that's a nice to have because the insurance legislation hadn't come out. Right. There was no such thing as a licensed behavior analyst. Right. And um, so I didn't get my certification until 2011. And, you know, at that time had already started my consulting practice and working with school districts and regional centers. And now it's, you know, having the credential as a standard. And, you know, so I, yeah, I, when I started a lot, and even the first um, iterations of the ethics code were very different. Yes. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the changes. I, I, I think our field has a, a lot more work to do. I, um, I'm hopeful for what's to come. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't until 2016 when they did a major update that we, that they were really like meaty ethics. I remember actually, I was presenting at Cal Abba. It was, I think 2006 or 2007. And I was doing a workshop presentation and Jane Howard blasted me. I will never forget it. I've talked to her about it since, but she should have because I was not, but there weren't ethics on it. I didn't know any better. I was presenting work and others people work and I didn't cite them. And she blasted me in front of everyone. And I remember just like leaving there in tears because I didn't know any better, but there weren't really good ethic codes that said that. And it really, like until 2022, we didn't have the meaty kind of codes that we have now. That's only two year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah. Right? I, yeah and I mean, I, get, I feel like it's been out longer because they released it before it went True. into effect. True, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, one of the things... I, I think about is the whole gift giving 
Um, You know, I started my career working in school districts and it's commonplace for students and their families. Some of them give you a card or a little thing of chocolates at the holidays. And it doesn't, there's, there's no hidden agenda, no expectation. Mm -hmm. It's, it's part of the culture of not just working in schools, but in, in many practices. And I, you know, personally, I think if someone's ethics and morals can be compromised for a $20 gift card or, you know, a $5 tin of chocolates, there are worse problems in play. (laughs) Um, And, you know, so even though I thought, and, you know, I'll be honest, as the owner of my company, I, you know, no one's giving me presents, um, but Mm -hmm. I, I don't have a moral objection to my staff getting a, you know, a small gift card. No one's giving them a car computer or anything remotely like that. Um, But as a BCBA, you know, maintaining my credential, whether or not I agree with some of the nitty gritty, I have a duty to uphold it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, I remember when the, the code changed in 2022 and now they could, we could receive gifts $10. Right. And I, I think there's been a lot of discussion and over-focus on, on the monetary value. And, you know, Tyra Sellers talks a lot about the spirit of the code and which it was intended. And, you know, so my team and I talk a lot about, well, it's, it's a bit of a rhetorical question, but what happens at $11? Mm. Are you suddenly unethical? And I think for me, the, the more important piece is the phrase that we need to hone in on is the significant monetary value. And, you know, what is significant? $10 could be like half of someone's disposable income and it could be pocket change to another family. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think, another example of, of, you know, of the the role that context plays. Um, What, uh, sorry, going back to the Jane Howard situation, (laughs) what, I, so I, what did you say to her afterwards? And I, I can, I can commiserate having had like a, a really mortifying public speaking experience myself in a different manner. But um, one, I just, I applaud you for, for you know, just taking ownership and accountability, and you know, just I know you well enough to know and how that's propelled you to do better. Um, yeah, it was painful, but she was right. Um, I hadn't cited work properly. Um, I didn't know any better. I was new in my presenting field. I was presenting something that I thought that I, you know, was the first one to think of. And I hadn't done a proper like review of who else had done the work. And that's why that topic's so important to me because she was right. And I just remember at first being mortified and crying and then being angry, right? Going through like all the stages. I didn't go back to Calaba for a couple of years. Um, and then I reflected and thought, you know, she's right. And this comes up for me a lot in my career because I have like, I've spoken to her since I actually ran into her at a conference at CASP last year. And I'm like, Jane, I know you don't know who I am. She's like, I know who you are. I'm like, you don't remember in 2000, I think it was seven when you said this. And she's like, I don't remember that. And I'm sorry. And I said, no, you were right. Because it it changed my perspective. And because frankly, I was reporting on work she had done and I hadn't taken the time to look back on it. And she was like, you know, you need to check yourself and think back, you know, there are people ahead of you doing this work and you're presenting it like you created this yourself. And she was right. And I, I think that's, it's common practice, right? And so I have what I've found in my career, like some I'm a behavior analyst, but I have like some subspecialty topics that I love. 
and have found myself spending years on social skills is one of them and particularly like joint attention skills, but I didn't create joint attention skills. Like there are lots of people who've done that work ahead of me. And so I've gotten better at researching and citing their work. Safety is one I've been doing since 2010. Um, and so that, and then I, I also really like working around like sexuality and, and, you know, having people, I've done some webinars around sexuality and, and teaching people in a safe, respectful way to do that, but I didn't create those things. And so I need to get better in my talk at like citing other people's work. And that's become meaningful to me because of that experience with her. I, as you said that, I think it's, you point out something else that there are other people doing the work and you're, you know, in, in trying to reach out and be more intentional. I think that also opens up amazing opportunities for collaboration. Right. Um, I, well, I remember, you know, how you and I started collaborating. I, I developed, um, and again, I didn't originate this. I wanted uh, just a one pager that families could hand to their, like when they got a, um, a new medical provider, um, you know, doctor's appointments are they're rushed for any of us. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you have um, an individual who may have limited speaking skills or struggles in new environments or, you know, heaven forbid the fluorescent lights in the waiting room are flickering. I mean, mm -hmm. that gives, that gives me a headache. Um, and I wanted to, my whole, my whole goal was just to take a little bit of the stress out of it. And I was inspired to do that in um, doing some of my dissertation research about, uh, improving transition processes for individuals. And I I just, I remember reading an article that talked about, that suggested having a health passport. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that sounds great. What a handy little thing. And I, I dug around, found some wonderful examples, but even the shortest one was four pages. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's a lot to keep track of, you know, much less flip through. So what are kind of the do or dies? Like this will make or break the appointment. And that's where it started for me. And I, I reached out to you knowing that you were working on safety. Just, hey, can you give me some pointers? You know, distribute this, um, share it with anyone. It's a fillable PDF. Just give me suggestions on how I can make it better. And uh, I you know, and so you roped me in with um, our colleague Veronica to to do some talks together. And I have benefited tremendously from working with the two of you and just learned so much. So yeah, thank you. That's the spirit. And so when I was going, so I've been pretty open on, on my social media, which some people have criticized me for, and I can appreciate that, um, about a situation where I felt someone was not properly citing me and it really hurt my feelings having, you know, been so intentional about this over the years. Um, and it, you know, it's only this round that really specifically, and tell me if I'm wrong, but specifically talks about appropriate credit. I don't recall that being as clear in the other codes of ethics. I don't either. Did the other, did the previous codes have, it always had plagiarism. Right. Um, but in research or, um, maybe I, I've been referring to this code for several years now Me too, <laughs> because mm -hmm. I started referring to it and, and teaching my staff to this. And ever since it came out, even though it hadn't gone into effect yet, I remember actually going back to the whole thing about the gifts. I, in December of 21, a family um, handed me a, a, it was a box of chocolate. And I said, I'm really sorry. I really appreciate where this comes from. I can't accept this until January 1st. <laughs> And the mom looked at me, she just said, excuse me. And I, said, I you know, so I, at this point I've done the spiel, uh, you know, a few uh -huh. times and 
um, this is our ethics code. I, I don't think you're trying to buy my, you know, buy anything or compromise my values. I just, this is a code I have agreed to abide by. And believe me, I appreciate these chocolates and they look delicious. And on January 1st, I would love to eat them. Um, but I, I can't accept these <laughs> until then. And she's just, and the, the mother was a physician and she said, I'm a, I'm a medical doctor and my patients bring me gifts at the holidays. <laughs> so what? Um, there's, you know, and so it was, it was a little awkward, um, but on January 1st, yes, the, the chocolates were delicious, <laughs> but, um, I, you know, it's, oh, sorry. Um, I lost I think, my time. Well, I think it's the, it's the spirit and the intent and the, really it's about power differential, right? So yeah. like, is it going to change the power dynamics of the relationship? Um, that's like, and my, that's what I've always, when I've trained people, I've always said, it's the spirit of this, right? Like is right. Like a box of chocolate to one family is nothing. Another family might be a whole bunch. And so it's like, just like, will it, ch will it change your relationship in any way? Right. right? And I, I think in most cases, no, I, I, I so in Asian, in some cultures, I, mine is one, um, sometimes declining gifts or declining yes. an offering is really offensive and hurtful. Yep. Um, and especially working in families' homes, uh, you know, Absolutely. there's that, well, can you accept the glass of water or, right. you know, what if it's a cup of tea or what if, um, what if part of their family values are you bring tea? So it, my dad's side of the family is Japanese and it's just customary when you have guests you bring tea and just some little cookies or something mm -hmm. and it's it's part of having anyone to your home and it doesn't mean that they're coming over for Sunday dinner or you're spending holidays together or you're calling each other up to chit chat about your Friday night outfit um but it's just it's and also too you know speaking of social skills um and by the way, I, I have your book. That was one of the first <laughs> books I bought as a professional in the field. Uh, if we are working with some of our clients on social skills and pro-social skills, what is that? What message does that send when we tell them, "No, your family values are right. you, don't do this with me," even though you would do it? We're their number one practice um, partner, and you know, so for many families, that's it's very important. Now, should you be staying for dinner or letting them send you home with dinner? No, that to me is a pretty clear cut line. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think someone bringing a cup of juice or a cup of water, um, one, it's it's pretty common. Like we ha we offer bottled water to our clients when they come into our office. Right. We're not trying to buy their business with a bottle of water. Exactly. And I think like, like to Tyra's point, like it's the spirit and the intention and then you know, for me, the one that's really struck me is appropriate credit. Um, and I did have that situation where I felt like someone actively took deliberately work I had done and presented as their own. And it was work I was doing for free. Um, and then this person was doing it and getting paid. And, um, but, you know, it's been painful and I've had to really reflect. And um, I, ha I, it, I had to actually look back and I think I may have done that unintentionally to someone else in doing like social skill work and joint attention and like to Jane Howard's point. And so I've learned a really hard, painful lesson through all of this. And people who listen to my podcast know I'm very real on this podcast about like my experiences and I try to grow from each of them. And I'm, I'm going to let this one go. And cause it was eating me alive and I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to just continue. To, it'll, it'll make me a better person, right? Because I don't know that person's circumstances. 
maybe they were not intentional in trying to do that. Um, and there's something I don't know that they haven't shared. And um, I think the more we all collaborate and attempt to just resolve our scenarios, then we can all stop fighting and bickering in our field because it's not a pretty look on us. No, and there's there's too much division in our field already. Yeah. And we, um, I mean, I know you and I know how hard you work and I, I know how collaborative you are. And I, I hope that, you know, at, at some point in the future that there is an opportunity for a collaborative resolution. I, mm -hmm. you know, I think our, I think any of us are only strengthened when we collaborate and, Agreed. and work together. And, um, you know, I was, I was at the uh, Calaba social justice summit yesterday and there was a woman I meant to, to grab her contact information because she said she works on safety. Um, oh my gosh. If by chance she's listening, it was a Caucasian woman with brown curly hair. I think you were wearing like a brownish sweater, um, but she mentioned that her organization uh, trains first responders here in the Bay Area, um, Alameda County specifically, just in wow. case. Because I thought when she said when she spoke about her work, I immediately wanted to connect her with you. Yeah. And you, you know, you're one of the people who's modeled that for me in in strengthening our our efforts by bringing people together, um, and so. You know, if, if other people are doing important work like you're doing, I, you know, and I hope this other person that's involved in the conflict, I, I would just love, you know, I know what an amazing collaborator you are and would be wonderful. I, I hope, that, you know, for, um, for, for our field and for the work that everyone does, would love to see um, efforts being combined and yes. you know, just some, some collaboration. Um, again, just, I, we are so much stronger together. Exactly. I used to be very competitive in my early career. And I really learned to say like, let's join forces with each other. Like that's why you and Veronica and I have that QR code with all the safety resources that and other people have put in because other people are creating amazing things too. And we should share it for everyone. So for those listening to the podcast, we thank you for going down this ethics conversation journey with us. And, um, Feel free to reach out to us. My contact is always in there. If you have had challenges or you want to collaborate, I highly recommend people go to the Cast Dear Dawn webinars that are gonna they're gonna happen quarterly. Mm -hmm. And it is oh shoot, I can send you the link if it's available on demand. One point five C ethics CEUs. I'll put it in this in the um, session notes for the podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I'll, um, Mike sent that to me. So I'll forward awesome. it. Send it to me. I'll put it in the link. I highly, highly encourage people to go. And if you're a cast member, join. When does the SIG meet? Um, the we SIG meet. meet monthly. It is, gosh. It, you have so many meetings. And <laughs> I'm looking it up on my calendar right now. I think we're not going to meet in December just with the holidays. Usually it is the third one, two, third Thursday, right. uh, but, you know, sign up for the, the list server, um, the, when you sign up for the SIG, you'll get an update on messages and we will be putting out calls for help, um, AK or, you know, just volunteer hours. Um, we had an amazing time working on this and I learned so much just in the process of developing this webinar with my colleagues and just learning from them and leaning from leaning on them. Um, is I think this collaboration piece and, and, you know, being able to learn from other professionals in the field like you and Crystal and Veronica, that's one of the most reinforcing aspects about my job. 
Yep. We're better together. Yep. Yep. There's enough of work to go around. We're better together. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Kelly. Thanks everyone.